Welcome to the EDM Producer Podcast. This is the show where we interview EDM producers from around the world and ask them how they make their music, how they're getting their music out. You know, the hope is to give you guys some information so you can become better producers out there for all you listening. We always have an amazing producer on the show. This week is no different. Calling us from San Antonio, Texas is Salim Razvi. What's up, Salim? How's it going? I'm doing really good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, tracks, tracks lately have been, have been treating me well. The charts have been treating me well, so, so I'm doing all right. Yeah, that's what it looks like, man. So well done on that. I can't wait to talk about how, that's, how you're making that happen for yourself. Thanks. But why don't we start off just uh, giving a little introduction. Tell us a little about yourself and what kind of music you do. Yeah, so I've been in the scene for a while. I actually started DJing around uh, 2000, 2001 when uh, I was going to college and in undergrad, kind of got involved in the college radio scene there. Just experimenting with some of the styles that were around back then. It was kind of new energy and Italian hard house that was that was really big back then. Then I'm after I graduated, moved back to Dallas and Dallas had kind of a growing house scene. There were some really good cats that came out of Dallas. Like uh, I'm, I'm sure you heard of Brett Johnson and some of the guys that do Juice music, like Joshua Caprice and Matt Pruitt. Right. Uh, some some really good house guys that came out of there, and that's when I started really learning about house and learning about all the people and what kind of environment it did and all the all the production stuff that went into it. And then so I started experimenting with that, and I didn't really know what genre I really wanted to focus on. I really like the progressive sounds. But then I re- really like the house sounds. So I really like that classic kind of progressive sound uh, back with, you know, Nick Warren, Global Underground, that sort of thing. I really like that sound. And that sound is kind of kind of went away, but it's kind of stayed in the background a little bit with the new age tech house and techno. So that's where some of my material went. But then I really liked disco. That was kind of my thing. And that was one of the tracks that kind of got me on the map a little bit was a track I did with a buddy of mine in Dallas um, called Wonderful Thing. And that track kind of gave us a little bit of notice around it, gotten some charts on uh, on Juno and, and things like that. So that's where I kind of focused on. And I really found that I was good at the sampling aspect of it. So that came, that, that always comes in handy when you're using disco loops yeah, and, and kind of sampling and things like that. Um, another thing that comes in handy is that I also went to in 2005 or 2005, I started law school. So I, I graduated law school. And so I kind of combined that law degree with the sampling aspect. What? So, How do you do so, that? So I've actually licensed uh, full samples, like uh, one of my tracks that we recently did um, that's in the top 100, uh, Cuba. Uh, with Gary Chaos and David Mel, that actually has a disco sample, but I had to go out and get the license for it. And so I also recently licensed Ohio Players Fire and then also teamed up with uh, Soul Soul Records, which is an old kind of disco label. And I just signed a remix with David Mel to Ultra Music as well. So, wow. Keeping busy. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely staying busy. Uh, it's, it's good. You know, I, I have a full time job, but I definitely, I definitely find the time and make the time for, for the music. Sure. Well, yeah, and that's interesting about your law degree. Um, yeah, so you know what to do to license and you know all like the laws about that where everybody else is right. probably just breaking it and either not knowing or not caring about what they're doing. 
Definitely. And I, and I also wrote an article on DJ tech tools. That was kind of a guide to a guide to sampling to kind of help people out and kind of help them through that process because it can be a difficult process, but once you reach out to the right people and know how to research it, it's, it's actually not that difficult. Is it expensive licensing these songs? Uh, no, not usually. It really depends on the individuals that you're dealing with and the companies. A lot of times you're dealing with large record labels like Universal that really don't have time to spend with a small license like this, because as we know, you know, digital downloads are, of course, down for for the most part. It's, it's not what it used to be for sales, but it's for them, for a larger record label, it's small time. So usually they'll treat it as a cover song. So it's just statutory royalties. So it's actually pretty easy for them. Wow. So. Well, that's cool you wrote that article. People should definitely check that out because that's one of the, the downfalls of being a musician is having right. to learn the legal side. I mean, a lot of times it's not fun, but if somebody explains right. it to you simply, it's really, right. really useful information. Definitely, definitely. Cool, man. So in your productions, which are very diverse, I might add, um, what is your program of choice? What's your DAW that you use? I use Logic. I've I really for the most part, have used Logic. I've experimented a little bit with Ableton, and I've used Ableton for a few things, but even if I use Ableton for a, a basic loop, I will bounce it and I will do everything in Logic. Uh, the one thing that I find very useful with Logic is the flex time feature, especially when using using samples and uh, just also recording vocals and things like that. The flex time feature is just, uh, it's, it's so easy to use and it just it just makes everything seamless and also the the sampler instrument i like i like bouncing samples um i either bounce them to the ex uh sampler instrument in logic so they can be used on the on the keyboard as well or i'll take it to machine which is another favorite in in my little studio that i use uh, especially for sampling, especially for vocals and things like that i was going to ask if you use machine because i was listening to your tracks and i go i was saying to myself that sounds machine-like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely, I like, uh, since I started in about 2004, 2005 learning production, it was learning with a step sequencer. And that's what I like about machine is that I can switch between the computer-based on the screen, but then I can also look down and go into the step sequencer mode and kind of just play around and find the right pattern. Yeah, that I want. yeah machine is like the best sketch pad ever. Yeah, I mean, I even is. use it without the hardware. Sometimes I just the new, right. the new version two software is great, but oh god, it's just you can get such a good feel and a good groove on that thing, right? So, and that's what they named it—a groove production hardware, whatever they called it, groove production. Exactly, and that's what it does, man. It's great for that. Yeah, cool. So in Logic, how is the al the flex algorithm? Because I've tested all the dolls and I like to do all kinds of things in them and see which just just bounce back and forth. And one of the things I like to do is test like the audio stretching features of all of them. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember how Logic's was. It's pretty smooth. It, it's pretty smooth. So usually what I do is I start off. Uh, so I usually pull up Tractor to get the estimated time or the the BPMs of the track, and then I'll go into to factory and go into the the time uh, pitch stretch. And so I'll play with it in there first. So it gets a little bit closer and then I'll open up flex time, go into slicing and then I'll just do it. I, I myself, I like doing it individually. So I'll make sure that uh, everything's lined, lined up first. So I, I go into it and make sure 
that that everything sounds right, everything's hitting right. Gotcha, gotcha. Good. That's good to know. Uh, how about some other of your favorite production tips that you use? Uh, one of my, another tool that I like to use. Uh, I'll get into a few of the effects and softness. I think that kind of runs in with kind of the the tools. Um, actually, another thing before I go into that is uh, ghost side chaining. Okay, that that is very very helpful because a lot of times when people are doing side chain compression. I think they want to just use the kick that they have running yeah, and they don't want to take the time to set up a ghost. So a ghost meaning uh, a kick that is running constantly, but you can't hear it, but you can side chain against it. So I find that pretty easy in logic because you can take, you can just duplicate the kick that you're using, right? bus it, you know, the bus it to any number you want, and then just use the pre-fader option when you click on the bus and once you do that, you just drop the volumes and then you can all day long just side chain and compress everything you want to that bus line. And what's and the advantage of that? You have it I, you have it running, it's just running all the time? Yeah, it's running it's running all the time. So on your breakdown. So a lot of times when people, you know, are producing, when the kick drops out, there you'll hear maybe a little bit of difference in their in their drum sounds and things like that. And that's because it's not side chain compressing anymore. But when you have it constantly running, you still get that kind of natural groove because because a lot of times when you're using digital production, it can sound a, a little bit choppy and not as natural, especially when you're just when you're just programming and pressing buttons. So I think this the constant sidechain compression on some things, of course, not all the time, can definitely help kind of give that natural flow. Very cool. Great tip, man. Any other production tips? Uh one thing that I think uh, somebody somebody should should have told me a long time ago <laughs> was uh, was practicing your DAW, learn your DAW, do tutorials, and experiment with your sounds before you put anything out. Because nowadays there's a lot of labels out there, and when you're new getting into it. There's some labels that are looking for quantity over quality. Hmm. And when you when you're shopping to them, I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, the stuff the the stuff that you're making is bad or not it's it may not be as polished as others. They're just going to say, okay, we'll release it because they want the quantity when you need that kind of sounding board, you need other people, you need that kind of peer review, so to speak to actually review your material first and you need to know where you're going. So uh, me, I experimented with a lot of genres as you can, when you look at my back catalog, it, you know, goes between a little bit progressive. I started out even with some breaks, uh, some progressive breaks. And then, you know, then I have my, my house and then a little bit of tech house, which I've definitely narrowed my focus lately. And so that's what I wish I did before because now within the past two and a half years, my sound has really been really been taking off and and improving because I've been focusing in you know on a very narrow, more narrow scope and genre. I got what you're saying, and that makes sense, but you brought up an interesting point about the labels wanting quantity. Right. So why should somebody focus on quality? So I think quality, especially nowadays, because the market is there's so much stuff out there. There's so much stuff that's there's so many record labels, you know, starting up every every day 
And a lot of them are putting out the, the same stuff and everybody else is. And some people now are even find it, finding it hard to cut out the people that are, there's a lot of people out there that are taking tracks, putting a few loops in it, making it a little bit different and trying to re-release them. There's a lot of people that are trying to manipulate the system because there's so much out there. It's hard for labels to catch it all. So I just say focus on that quality aspect and the sound that you're going to bring. So you have something that you're bringing to the table that maybe is just, it's not, it's not exactly the same as somebody else. It may be similar, but there's something that's unique to you. You know, there's something that's, there's there's some part of you that's in that piece of music. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I, and I, I agree with you. I was just like being kind of devil's advocate there. Oh, because, yeah. Yeah, because if you do a song like you say, you feel much better about it. Your integrity is in. And I think, right. I think that's a, a lot of the guys that are going to make it now, it's all about their integrity. If their integrity's in, it doesn't matter what style they do because their music is just going to be from them. They're not trying to copy anything. And it's going to be the best. So uh, exactly. I hear what you're saying, man. I totally agree with it. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I, I just got back from uh, Detroit uh, last week in a movement. And that was that was one of the things I think you could definitely feel, especially different from Miami and WMC, is that in Detroit, especially when you go to places like old Miami, just the vibe and the, the music and the energy there is just totally different. Wow. That sounds really cool. One reason to go to Detroit. I don't know too many others. Right. <laughs> right. I'm sorry anybody lives in Detroit. I used to work there and it wasn't in very good shape when I was up there. Anyway, um, tell us about your workflow. How do you write a song? Like pretty much uh, take us from beginning to end, how it kind of flows through logic. Right. So I usually start, um, I'll definitely do the, the ghost. Uh, I'll usually do my ghost option first, just so I have something to compress against. And then I'll usually start with a basic kick just so I can get an idea of, of a kick sound and a backing. I may change it or change the pitch depending on what notes I do later. Um, one of the tools actually for kick is uh, Sonic Academy Kick. Their program is actually designed by Nicky Romero. Yeah, I saw that. I, always, I wanted to get that. How is it? It's, it's really good because what you can do with it, even when you're just starting out, you know, you can get, you know, just start out with a regular kick. But then once you get your track going maybe you know you develop your baseline or you're working with a certain sample and you get that sample and you find out what note or key that sample is in then you can go back to your kick and change the pitch of it so the pitch is so everything's in tune so that's a big thing a lot of people talk about you know in tune versus not in tune some people think you know it's there's kind of different ways of thinking there where in tune is the right way to go because it sounds more natural with the musical flow, but then the almost, almost in tune, which is kind of gives it that natural drum feel because it's not always, of course, going to be perfectly in tune. Right. Now, Sonic Academy, I think, is hitting home runs with Kick and, and Anna or ANA, however they, they like to say it. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyway, go ahead. You, you do your kick, you do the ghost kick, then where do you right. go, from, go from there? Right. So if I'm using a sample, I'll usually go from that because what I like to do with the kick is use that, you know, with my flex timing and the, and the time stretching that I was talking about earlier. So I'll have the kick there so I can set up the, the sample. And what I either do with the sample is I'll, I'll flex time it and do everything. So, so it's on beat. And then I'll kind of just take loops 
and you know use my loop marker and just kind of and and just use my loop marker so i i move it around and you know just listen to the different loops that are there and then if i find that i'm still having a little bit trouble with finding something and nailing something down um usually i'll find something by that point in time that i'm like okay this i really like this section uh, this section can be used for stabs or this would be a good breakdown. Um, and I'll find something that I, I can usually use. Otherwise, when if I'm having too much trouble, what I'll do is I'll bounce it to the sampler instrument. So then in Logic, I can just use the keyboard to trigger the different sections of the sample. And so I can do more kind of cut up, you know, Jack and style house with with that sort of aspect so that's on the so that's what i'm doing that style of house when i'm doing more tech house i usually go straight to the bass because that is the biggest key of kind of even the the deeper slower tech house or even the more rolling uh kind of big room sound of tech house i see very cool man great stuff there and and in the logic sampler when you put in a sample Mm -hmm. and you hit the higher pitches the higher notes it is it does it shorten the the sound like shorten the sample like a lot of samplers do or is it able to stretch it out so it's the same time as a lower note? Yeah, so it's it's not a it's it's less of a sampler and more of a trigger. Gotcha. So it's gotcha. so it's more of so I'll cut the uh, so maybe I'll cut it in fourths or eighths and once I cut that sample up it'll tr- it, it it'll basically trigger that fourth or that eighth I see. So you're not using the pitch changing the exactly pitch. gotcha exactly gotcha, gotcha. exactly good. awesome so where do you learn your production skills from how did you educate yourself and you know what resources do you recommend people go to uh, a lot of times it'll be just hearing about something and then i go just search it uh, in search, I'll just, you know, say like, well, what's the best way to do this on logic? Um, but other times I find that attack magazine has a lot of good tutorials up, um, DJ tech tools. Like I mentioned before, that's the whole reason why I wrote the article on there is just because I, I find that they have, so they had so many informational, uh, on DJing production, just what have you, uh, they're just, they're just a really good group of guys that put out really good stuff. Hmm. And then um, Music Gear, uh, who also is uh, connected with Future Music, so it's the UK version, their website also has a lot of really good tutorials on it. Gotcha. So so that's where I usually go if I'm I'm looking for, you know, maybe they'll have some bass tutorials or something like that, like how to to sculpt certain basses or just certain sequences. And I'll, you know, sometimes I'll just sit down and do a tutorial. And so... I learn something and then maybe I can tweak it and use it in one of the projects that I'm already doing. Exactly. Exactly. So. Very cool, man. Great resources. I'm a huge future music fan. I haven't read it in a while, but uh, gosh, that's so, it's so good. That and computer music. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Computer music. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a good one. Yeah, that is a, that's another good one. So who were your influences that got you into EDM and, and producing the stuff that you do? So back in the the early 2000s, maybe I'm dating myself a little bit, but in the early 2000s, when when I was playing uh, a little bit, uh, I was more into the the harder, more Italian hard house. Uh, Mario Piccato was the man, and he is stuck around. It's it's interesting. I really like the guys that you know I kind of grew up with that have stuck around and they're able to go with the flow and change with the times, but they still are putting out really good music. 
So Maro Picado is one of them. Of course, Sasha and Digweed, um, very, very influential, especially on the progressive side. Nick Warren, Dave Seaman, those kind of guys. And then on the house side, you know, it goes back, of course, you know, it's Chicago house with Frankie Knuckles and, and those guys, that Chicago house sound was definitely one sound that I was like, you know, what, what is this? This is, this is some really good stuff because it was a lot of that disco kind of Jack and sampling. So that's really, I, I know that sounds really diverse, but it all kind of comes, comes together, especially when I'm doing some of my other aliases. So I, so what I are do, your other aliases? Uh, so I do under my name, I, I try to focus more on the house and disco and in a little bit of tech house. And then under the Eclipse name, which is capital E-C-L-P-S, I focus just on Tech House and kind of the darker, kind of slower elements of Tech House. Okay. And then I also have a drum and bass alias uh, that I also do some side projects under called Electric Soul. And Electric is spelt with a K. And that was kind of an early an early side, side project of mine that I've gone back to periodically because I love the, I, I love the intelligent drum and bass, uh, you know, LTJ Bookham, MC Conrad. That's what I kind of grew up with back then too, that I just, I just love that sound, that kind of liquid drum and bass, DJ Markey, those guys, um, doing that, doing that type of sound. So that, that it's not so popular, of course, in the U S it's more of a, it's more kind of a, kind of a UK thing, but it's 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 still something that I tend to go gravitate back to every, every once in a while. That's cool. And and I think aliases are good and it allows right. you to kind of explore other areas. Definitely, definitely. You definitely learn a, a lot of things producing different types of music because it's not the same beat structure, different different tips and tricks that you're going to use. Um you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not so much sampling. You're writing all your own things. You're writing all your own melodies, Right. you, you know, doubling up, doubling up certain bases or certain synths, And, and you're definitely, you're, you're using your DAW in a different way. Right. Plus just learning that other genre. I'm sure you can kind of interchange some of the things you learned from one into another. Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah, I've heard in a lot of more recent tracks, especially in some, uh, some deep house tracks or what they categorize as deep house now that, they'll have a lot of, a lot of breaks or kind of cut up beats kind of in the middle. It's kind of like a breakdown. So it's definitely like if you go back and, you know, you know how to produce break beat, it'd be very easy right. to, you know, have a straight four, four, and then in your breakdown, cut it down and do a break beat. Right. Very, very smart, actually. So, so who's your favorite right now? Or who do you think is really killing it? If you can't pick one favorite. Uh, so I have to go back to my experience at, uh, at movement just this last, uh, just, just a week ago, um, just about not even, not even, uh, Matthew deer at the ghostly party. He was, he was amazing. He's, he's from Houston. He's, he's a Texas guy, but he was, he was awesome. Uh, Metro area. They did a live PA set at Detroit movement on the Red Bull stage. And it was just phenomenal. And I've never seen, uh, Seth Troxler live. And he was, he was really, really good, huh. especially, especially the Martinez brothers, Martinez brothers, um, and those vision quest guys at old Miami Dixon, they were just, that's a new style of music that I wasn't into before that some of my, um, some of my buddies around here have kind of introduced me to. And I, I really, really enjoy those, those deeper techier bases huh. and sounds. 
So that's very cool. So that's what you were doing in Detroit. You were playing up there. No, no, no. I, I wasn't playing. I was, that, that was all fun. Gotcha. That, that was, that was all fun. That was just going to experience the music and, and you know, with the house side, uh, it's, it's kind of funny because some of the people that we, me and my, me and my buddy, David Mel, that I usually produce with have looked up to, we're now starting to work with some of those guys like Gary chaos and, and Dave Rose guys that have released on, you know, great labels like in, in stereo with DJ Dan and things like that. And we're, we're getting, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird to think about because we weren't thinking about it three years ago, right? but, but now we're starting to do collab projects. Well, how did, how did that come about? I mean, uh, cause that's, that's awesome. First of all, but so how did, yeah, you, how did you pull that off? So, I have to say that networking is another tool that has always been there within the scene, but it's very different now because it's all online networking. Hmm. And a lot of times people think that they can just send a Facebook message to some people and they'll, and they'll respond. Well, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't, but you definitely have to build your, your network up so you can build those contacts. And so I've, We've built, um, collabing is an, is a great thing. So collabing with somebody that's on, on your level, a growing producer is definitely a way to take a step forward because you learn, you learn new things from working with another individual, even as, even if it is far away. Cause the individual that I work with, uh, Dave, he, he lives in Slovenia. So we just send projects back and forth and, and it works and we make it work. Hmm. Um, but the, I think you have to build up. So it goes back to developing your sound. You have to have, of course, a product and you have to develop your product. So when you contact these individuals, they know or they've seen something or they can go back and they can hear something and say, okay, this person knows what they're doing, but maybe they have, you know, we have a really good idea. So that's, so that's what we did in, in most of these cases was we developed a good idea we knew it wasn't, it wasn't quite there. We both worked on it and we we're like, well, this is good, but it definitely could be better. So, you know, we went to the, the label websites like Casarasa, um, for these guys. Cause we know that they, of course, check, usually check their, their demo sites and just submitted it with a proposal saying, you know, would you, would you like to work on this track with us? And so a lot of times I think it's just having that, that product and building up your name. So it's not like you're shooting. It's, it's not like I would send a track to, you know, uh, I'm trying to think like, like Ola Bozowski and be like, Hey, we should work together (laughs) because, because I know I'm not on that level, but if I know I'm, you know, shooting within my level, you know, building step by step, you can definitely build your network and then your network keeps growing and growing and growing. That's good advice. So that's how you did it. Basically you actually right. submitted a demo with a proposal, yes. but you've also had tracks probably in your SoundCloud and such to back it up. Exactly. And, and you were, you've kind, you're kind of known. Exactly. So we, yes. So we've definitely hit, uh, you know, we've hit charts. We've, we've, we've been in charts before that. Um, you know, we, we got, uh, last year, a remix that the babysitters did on teddy bear records was picked up by head candy so that, you know, we've, we've slowly made those, those jumps, where it's, it's a very, it feels like a natural progression, but it's taken a lot of work. It's, sure. it's taken a lot of work at contacting individuals. And a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll get people that just say, no, you know, I'm good. 
And you just have to accept that and understand that they're busy and and doing their thing and, and move on. Right. Not take it personally. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool, man. I like it. All right. Let's talk a little bit about gear right now. Let's talk about your favorite soft synth. So soft synth, uh, definitely for the tech house style tracks, I tend to go to silent mm-hmm. silent for some of the kind of deep housey FM style bases. Okay. And then I'll, I'll also go to sub bass boom, uh, sub bass boom just has some really nice round. And that's actually what, uh, Oh, they used on uh, the Just Jack track. He actually used the bass from Sub Bass Boom. It just it just has a a really nice kind of round texture that you can get in Sub Bass Boom. Who makes um, Sub Bass Boom? And that's uh, Rob Pabin, I believe. Gotcha. Yes, and and that's uh th- that's a pretty good one if you're looking for that really kind of deep kind of round bass that a lot of tech house um, styles can use. Huh. So I definitely find myself going between those two. Okay, and then also. Also massive, uh, massive. I think I I use mainly for chords and kind of pl- pluckier sounds. Right. I I definitely tend to go to massive more. Hmm. That's um, odd so, that you don't use massive for the bass. Right. Yeah. A lot of times people use massive for the bass, but I find I don't know for some reason I've I find more options um, or development in silent. Hmm. Um, and a lot of times people will get stuck on on presets, and presets are are a good thing. But you should always know how to manipulate that preset to the sound that you want. Definitely. Or and and change it or do a tutorial so you learn more about that um synth and and synth design. Sure. Because that that is definitely that that is something that I've always been, you know, working on and you're always learning and on always always learning in that sort of environment. And especially with these synths, and then for a new person especially. There's so right. many knobs on some of these synths. I know it can be intimidating yeah. and overwhelming, but you just have to start turning them all and not caring yes. what they do. You know, just like take yes. a preset and just start tweaking it, turn every knob and just keep doing it. And eventually it'll all make sense. And you can sculpt your own sounds. This is what I'm finding. So it, right. it's going to take some time, but don't yeah. be afraid to turn the knobs. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and I think a lot of times what people are finding is that, you know, the knobs are on the screen. So, and so it's it's a lot harder to, you know, just turn, you know, two knobs at the same time or something. Right, so right. And, and what I have in in my uh, just just meet your studio at home, I have the Novation um, SLMK2. Oh, good for you. So, I like that. Thing. Yeah. So it, it syncs up to Logic. Um, it has the auto map feature so I can get in there and I can I can turn the knobs and I can, you know, I can manipulate it and I can play with it. And, and with that MIDI controller, it actually shows which knob you're turning on the little readouts, right? Yes. Yeah, that's yes, really does. cool. Do you have the, yeah. what, 49, 61 key? Or? The, the 61 key. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a good, it's a good piece. It's definitely one that, because I, I was missing, a, a lot of times if you don't have it, you'll spend your time and, you know, with the automation envelopes, right. just opening those up and playing with them when, uh, and I think that's why a lot of people gravitate to Ableton than Logic because of the the automation features and things like that. But mm. if you but if you have it mapped in and it's easy to, it's easier to manipulate and use the read and write feature on Logic and record it in. 
Yeah, that, and it's probably more natural too. Yes, and, definitely. And probably a little definitely. more fun. Um, yeah. How is the AutoMap software innovation? I've never used it. I always wanted to. It's it, it's it's not the it's not the best. Okay. It, it it definitely could be improved, but it works pretty well. And there's also the learn feature, of course, on the board. So if you're running into problems, usually the learn feature will help you correct that. So you can use the learn feature to get a knob, you know, start twisting that knob and program it to an actual knob. Very cool. So. How about effects? Delays, reverb, flangers. What, what do you like to put on a lot of your tracks? Uh, Fab Filter, Fab, Fab Filter Pro Q and Vol- Volcano. They're awesome. Is uh, Volcano Fab Filter? Yes. It's also made by Fab Filter. Those are, I, I find f- filtering wise, especially for, you know, that Jack and House style, I, I can't really, I haven't found anything that really manipulates, you know, manipulates the, the sound like that type of filter. Huh. What is Volcano? Is it a filter? Uh, Volcano is also a filter. It has some uh, really good settings. Uh, definitely check out the the settings. It can do some really glitchy things, hmm. which can help with a, a lot of times with what I'll do is I'll, I'll hear something that I like and I'll record it out and, you know, bounce it out and use it as an audio file so I can later use it. Um, so that's so, so that's another thing that I really like. Other Otherwise, I go to Waves H Delay. Waves H delay is a really good delay uh, that I found is very, very helpful. Also, their vintage exciter. There a lot of times when you're using like let's let's say for instance, like somebody will go onto Loop Masters or or you know, sounds to sample and they'll they'll buy something and they'll think, you know, when they plug it in, it's it's good to go. You, you should still manipulate those sounds. Of course, they are fully mastered and things like that, but they can always sound better. When you put them in and manipulate them and things like the vintage exciter can give you the sound that I, I think a lot of times that you want like a, a little bit more bottom end. It can, it can make it shine a little bit differently. Hmm. I, I found that's that's been a really good plugin that I use probably on every single project awesome, is man. the 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 vintage exciter, um, especially on kicks and things like that. Wow. I love that. have not had that suggested yet, so I got to check it out. All right. Now, I was going to say your favorite piece of hardware, would that be your MIDI controller? Yes, that would be the MIDI controller and, and machine. So that's actually, that is actually, I, I don't really have that much hardware uh, in my studio. The only hardware that I think that I have that doesn't get used, that I need to use more, is my uh, Rocktron uh, vocoder. Uh, it's the one, you know, the old school style with the actual tube. Uh, um, I think I've probably seen it, but I can't place an image of it. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's the talk box. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I used to use it. I actually used it in a couple live performances back when I was using drum and bass. Yeah. But, uh, but that's one that I would like to use more. But it's one of those things. Of course, the, the Chromeo guys have, of course, mastered the talk box. <laughs> but, uh, but it's one of those things that it's a, it's a very unique instrument, but yeah, but hard, but hardware wise, those are, those are the main two pieces. That's, I mean, that's all you need these days. What, now what machine do you have? The I, yeah, I have the, I have the original that came out without the uh, color options. I, I bought it back then. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so did I, out, so. Uh, but when machine studio came out, gosh, that's so tempting. Right. Right. It definitely, it definitely is. I've looked at the upgrade, especially when they, they always have deals. I just wish native instruments had a buyback program. Yeah. Right. That would be where, nice. 
where they would give you some sort sort of credit because they're always upgrading, they're always updating, and you know a lot of things they'll uh, it'll just make it the other piece of equipment obsolete, and it's like, well, what do I do with it? Well, I can go on Craigslist or something and try to sell it. That's the that's your buyback eBay, program. But, is Craigslist. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you, Native Instruments, you know they're coming out with something new when they slash everything 50%. Like, you just know. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is so true. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. So tell us some of the most successful actions you feel you've done to forward your music career, get you where you are now. So networking and collabing has definitely been uh, a way to push, push myself forward. Yeah, because it, it it opens up doors. And once you get that door open, you can definitely f- focus back on your production as well and getting your your own stuff in with that label. So maybe you did a collab project that was released on, you know, a little bit a little bit better label. And now you can release one of your own tracks on there or maybe you got a remix project from them. Gotcha. So I, I always look at taking taking steps. So maybe I have more of a, a practical approach. A lot of times I think people are focused on, man, I just want to release with that label. Yeah. Like, like s- still a goal of mine is to release on a label like in stereo or something like that, which, which uh, hopefully, hopefully I'll do soon. Um, it just, it just hasn't happened yet, but it's a lot of times, I mean, three or four years ago, I wouldn't have thought about that. I, you know, I, I, I like to be a little bit of a realist when it comes to music. Like I know, it may be good. And of course you need to set your, your goals high because you never know when they're going to bite. It's, it's weird. A&R for, for some labels is weird. They may, they may like something and then you send them something that you're like, eh, it's, I, I think it's, I think it's just okay, but a lot of other people like it and, and they'll bite on it. <laughs> so I think a lot of time, know. right. You, you never know, but it's definitely taking those steps. Always look at progressing and where you're going to progress next. So about, I think it was, yeah, it was about two and a half years ago. Uh, Dave Mel and myself, we were remixing each other's tracks and we were like, we we're like, why are we remixing each other's stuff? We're like, let's just make, let's just make music together. And, uh, and that's, and that's how it happened. And then our, our first track that we put together got released on Phantom's label, uh, Neptune city. And we we're like, wow, we, we did something, we, pr- we produced a good product and it got released on, you know, a good label. And we're like, all right, well, let's just keep going. And so we just kept up with it, kept pushing forward, looking for projects. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to take remix projects or do things that aren't going to pay, mm-hmm. that aren't, that aren't going to have payout and they're done to build your catalog. Right. And you have to realize that there's in producing there's not a lot of money. <laughs> There's not a lot of payback out there. Um, the residuals from labels are very, very small, but it's very, I, I think it's very gratifying. I, I love music. It's, it's definitely my passion. And that's why, you know, I, I'm one of those people that I, I understand that I have, a, I have a professional job and I can, I can afford a lot of other things that, you know, growing producers maybe maybe can't but you can do so much now with so little that it it really doesn't matter and I, I don't think that should stop anybody from wanting to produce or getting their stuff out there well i think you nailed it too that's you you love doing it 
Yes. So it's kind of okay if you're going to, you would have done it anyway. You would have wrote music yeah. anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would have, I would have done it anyway. It's, it's, you know, all these, all these charts and things like that, they're, they're great. And if you look at some of the, you can, you can research it and go to the calculations and, you know, the main money is building your catalog. So you build your, your artist, you know, your artist name. So you can get out there, you can do bookings, right. you can make, you can make money that way. That makes sense. So, but, but you have to have that backing platform, especially nowadays, you have to have that production platform, I think, to, to really go to the next level. I would say so. Definitely. I mean, everybody who is majorly successful has that at this point. Yes. So, yeah. Right. Right. Awesome. So how would you say is the most effective way to market your music? And you kind of answered this with doing collabs and networking. Anything else special? Uh, collabs, networking. Um, there are some other avenues. Uh, you can definitely look at some publishing aspects. If some labels don't focus a lot on, on publishing like TV, radio, film, sometimes they'll kind of leave that aspect alone and they'll just focus on the digital distribution, be port track source, track it down, what have you. And they won't focus on that actual publishing aspect. So that kind of leaves the artists with still with the same product a product, of course, if you retain the rights to it in the contract, and then if you retain the rights, then you can use it to put it out underneath your own publishing. One one website to check out is Audio Sparks. Audio Sparks is a pretty good platform. Uh, I've actually seen for my drum and bass music. I've actually gotten a little bit of payout from them for TV film licensing. Wow. So it's another kind of another kind of aspect, um, just to, just to kind of explore if if you think you know your your music might be might be good enough for that avenue. That's cool. And, and, the, and the contract allows it. So that's cool. And I've checked out Audio, Audio Sparks. I've done personally. I've done some like stock music, selling stock music. Oh yeah. Here's a tip that I think will help produ producers who especially want to. They don't think they're at the level yet where they want to release their stuff, but they're still like in training. Mm -hmm. um, this is what I did. I created an alias and I didn't know how to make electronic music that well. But I said, if I'm going to practice, if I'm going to be putting my time into doing this, I'm going to sell every track that I make, even though it's just a practice track for myself. Yeah. So yeah. I went on these sites with an alias and I put, started putting up all the tracks I, I was creating which was basically in my mind, just practicing to get good. But uh -huh. I sold them anyway. I put them up on these sites. Yeah. A lot of them sold. And I don't know, I'm probably making between 50 and a hundred bucks a month just from my that's practice good. tracks. Yeah, so it's a, and it's a great way to force yourself to finish songs too, because that's another problem right. a lot of producers have. So my yes. advice is, man, even when you're practicing doing tracks, finish them, throw them up on one of these stock music sites. I use a uh, yep. audio jungle, melody loops, and Pond 5 were the, the three ones, main ones for me. And I'll, um, I'll, I'll have to check those out myself. Yeah, Because I, I, I have a lot of projects, you know, that I've finished and I'm like, uh, it's not good enough. Right. And then, and then I, I, I put it to the side and I, and I don't look at it again. And maybe I'll come back to it or remember it, you know, years down the road and, and rework it or something like that. But yeah, that's, that's, that's great advice. Yeah. You might as well get paid for it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Cool. Definitely. No, you, and you raise a good point finishing music. Oh yeah. Like that is, that is, I know a lot of people that are, are good producers and good musicians. Maybe they have the musical training, but they can't sit down and, and finish and enforce themselves to be on a schedule and, right. and set those goals. 
So it's just not fun sometimes. I got you know you no. gotta you gotta just say it. Yeah. But it's it, not. It, it's a matter of discipline. Right. It is. <laughs> it it definitely is. Yeah. Cool. So what's the best advice you could give an aspiring producer right now? Uh, I think we we hit on it a little bit earlier, but I think I'll hit on it again is focus on the quality aspect. There is so much out there nowadays. It's very easy even to release your own music without a, without a record label on, on CD baby or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to put out your own music that it's very tempting as an artist, as an artist, of course, when you make something, you want to think it's good. <laughs> you you want to, you know, it's like I, I made it. So there's that kind of ego aspect that you're battling with right. and you're con and you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. So there's the part of you that says, well, this is good. And then you go out and you listen to other people's stuff. And you're like, man, my stuff sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so weird. It's such a weird dichotomy that you're battling with it, that you have to, you have to develop your sound and you have to develop that quality aspect. So when you, when you're working on your music and you get to that point and you know, you're building, you're building, you're learning, you're learning, then you, you'll, you'll feel when it's time, you know, you'll get that, you'll get on that sounding board. You'll get those people that respond and like, man, this is good. You know, I, I really like this. You'll get a lot of people saying it's, it's really good or you'll get it mastered and send it, you know, you can send it to, to people just to play. Right. There's no reason that you have to shop it to just shop it to, for, for digital distribution. You can shop it for individuals to play in bootlegs. Bootlegs are a huge way to definitely get a good foot in the door. That, that's how people like Morgan Page got started was just doing bootlegs. Cause that's, that's what he did. And that's what launched his career huh. was doing all of these uh, bootleg. And he, you know, he did such a phenomenal job. People are like, man, this production is, is amazing. He's, he's definitely got to be good at what he does. Right. So that's a, that's another thing I think is very helpful is bootlegs. Once you, once you build up your quality and quality, you know where you're going, you know, you find something, you make, you make a bootleg and you know, it takes off with, with downloads and stuff. And you know that you've developed something that's, that's meaningful, not only meaningful to yourself, but that other people are enjoying and maybe even playing out. Right. Great tips. You got to be careful sometimes on YouTube though. If they, if, if the yes. YouTube algorithm tracks that and if it recognizes right. a song that's not yours, you, that's get, true. you get a strike against you. Yes. And SoundCloud, SoundCloud does the same thing. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's weird. It's YouTube and SoundCloud regulate it so heavily, but there's, there's people out there like, uh, uh, what's his name? Girl talk. There's people out there like girl talk that are just sampling like crazy right. and nobody cares. And it's like, well, why are these sites so worried about the regulatory aspects when there's people out there that are making money and profiting <laughs> off of it? I guess, I guess they're so big. I guess YouTube and SoundCloud are so big that they know if some, somebody right. knows if they sue them there, cause there's a big payoff. <laughs> right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's a weird dichotomy, but, uh, it's definitely, I, most of the time I've seen with bootlegs, I mean, I've had a bootleg of a, of, I did under my drum bass alias. Um, actually when, when dubstep was kind of, I, I think that, th that style of dubstep, but, uh, it was, I did a kind of a glitchier dubstep remix of a old prodigy track that I really liked. And that's been up for maybe three, 
three years, two years at least. It's been up for two years and has over like six thousand downloads and hasn't hasn't really gotten touched in the in the market of the you know of piracy. Right, right. So it hasn't hasn't been marked or anything like that. But that's definitely that's definitely a risk that you take when you post it up. It is, but I, I still like your strategy. I think bootlegs yeah. are great. Yeah. Definitely. And they're fun to do, actually. Yeah, I, I I think it is. I mean, I haven't really got into mashups as much. I know a lot of people like the mashup aspect, hmm. but I like the idea of a bootleg and reworking because you're putting you're putting more original material into it. It's yeah. almost like a remix than than an actual mashup and just using their sounds and and everything. I agree. I like that too. Now, what of your productions would you say are you most proud of? Well, uh, it's it's funny. Uh, the The one that started it all, the track "Wonderful Thing," has always been one of my favorites. And if I play out, I usually go back to it. And it's one that I'm thinking about reworking just to make it uh, a little more a little more up to date. But yeah, that collab track that I did with a, a buddy back in Dallas, uh, B War, it was. It was one of the, it was the track that I just remember that kind of started it all. Now me. I looked for it on your SoundCloud cause you mentioned it in your bio. It's, right. it's not it's there, not, right? It's not on SoundCloud because imagine that they took it down for copyright reasons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so where, where so can people funny. buy? I found it on Amazon actually. Yes. It's on, it's on Amazon. It's on Bport. It's on Juno. It's, it's an older track, but it's uh you know, it's got a great disco sample in it. And it's funny. I actually looked for the ASCAP. BMI. I did my research on the sample and it's not registered. It's, it's not registered with any agency. I contacted the original record label, the guy that did the original track and I got nothing back. So that's when we were like, well, we're going to push this out. And that's when we pushed it out back then. And then, you know, we didn't get, um, any letters or anything. So when SoundCloud notified me, they were taking it down. I was like, I was like, you guys can take it down, but nobody's going to be contacting you about this one right. because I've already done the research for it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but you know, I didn't I didn't fight them on it because it's yeah. it's one of those tracks that you know it's on it's on iTunes, it's on Beatport, it's on uh, it's on Track Source. It's been re released on a lot of compilations, and it kind of kicked off. And that's actually it's actually funny too. That track uh, actually, Dave Mel, he DJs in Slovenia. And he contacted me about that track and he was like, man, this track is, is awesome. And I, I've been playing it nonstop. And that's how we first connected as well and kind of kicked off where we're at now. And so I think the remix that we just did, that we just signed to ultra, I think will definitely be one of my new favorites because it's a, it's a old soul soul track that we got to remix by double exposure called every man. And I, I really enjoy doing it and just working with those, when you get a hold of those actual stems yes. of an old track like that, it's, it's a beautiful thing wow. because it's, it's, it's so much easier to work with than you're just working with the original track. Oh, totally, man. That's so, nice stems yeah. and like actual studio stems. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So where can people find out more about you and listen to your music? Uh, so SoundCloud, I try to put all my new stuff, all new samples on SoundCloud. It's just uh, soundcloud.com backslash my my first and last name, Salim Razvi, uh, or um, Beatport, Track Source. Um, you can check out um, 
so you can search uh, my name, Salim Rasby. I don't think there's any others out there with my name that are produced. And a lot of times we'll run into that and, and you'll be able to connect to my other alias too. Sometimes I do a track where it's, it's myself, but it says Salim Rasby and Eclipse because it has aspects of both aliases. In I it. see. Pretty but clever. You'll be, so, so you'll be able to connect with uh, both. And then uh, if you're looking for more of the drum and bass side, uh, to check out the Electric Soul stuff, Electric with a K. Um, and you can also check me out on Spotify too. A lot of the stuff is on Spotify now. Great. Awesome, Salim. Well, do you have any final messages for the people before we end off? Uh, no, I just, I just hope that, you know, people just keep, keep putting out good music and take the time to, to learn the craft. And Hey, if you people out there have something they want to collab with me on, you know, hit me up. I, I try to be, we try to be very open to, to projects and things like that and, and opportunities and just, just set your goals, set your goals. And cause that's what I'm always doing, even though, you know, I may, may release or have a release coming out on ultra. I'm thinking about, we're still thinking about what's coming next, what, what we're doing next, what we're doing for this year. Gotcha. So. I love your philosophy, man. You're, you're making these approachable goals that you know you can attain. You're attaining yep. them and then you're going to the next step. It's really yep. good stuff. Yep. Awesome. So, um, where, where can people connect with you if they want to collab is on your SoundCloud or do you have an email or SoundCloud or Facebook? Um, and my SoundCloud has my email on there as well. It's just my first name, Salim dance music at, at gmail.com. But yeah, you can put PM me on SoundCloud, Facebook, any of those. I'll, I'll definitely reply. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Salim. It's been an awesome interview. You gave some killer information. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And that's going to be it for the EDM producer podcast for today. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. It would be great if you'd like the show to subscribe to us either on Stitcher, iTunes, or on the RSS feed. Leave us a review if you can, wherever you do download us from. And that would be really appreciated. And now we're going to play a song by Salim. This is Gary Chaos versus David Mel and Salim Rasby. The name of the song is Cuba. Cuba.